0: Hey, this is Heath Paget and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 54. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast where I interview nomadic entrepreneurs who are running a business while traveling full-time. I'm recording today's episode from Nashville, Tennessee. All of last week, we spent hanging out at the Winnebago headquarters in Fort City, Iowa. We got to take a tour of the factory, see all the RVs are made, meet a lot of the team at Winnebago. And it was an unplanned part of our route this year. Uh, We were supposed to be hanging out on the beach. Instead, we went up to Winnebago, but we got a lot of things done on our RV. There was just a lot of little things that were kind of picking at us, and they took good care of us and got a lot of that fixed. Tomorrow, I'm actually leaving the RV for a couple days to head up to Canada to meet with a potential partner for Campground Booking. The conversations are still a bit early, so I can't really go into much of the detail right now, which is hard for me because I tend to get excited and want to talk about stuff, and I also host a podcast where the whole purpose is to talk. But I feel like it'd be best to wait and see how things pan out before sharing any details. Either way, I will make sure and keep you guys in the loop as things progress. This is also my first quote-unquote business trip for campground booking if you don't consider RVing to campgrounds business trips. This is the first flight business trip. I don't know. It seems official. We'll go with that. Also, before jumping into today's episode, I wanted to share another cool win with y'all. After coordinating our route along the East Coast, we approached Jellystone Campgrounds about doing a series of videos for their parks, and they said yes, which is awesome because it really combines everything that we love to do, travel, video, cut some costs from our trip this year, and adds additional income. So we'll be producing videos for their parks to distribute on social media, getting some of our lodging costs covered, like I just mentioned, and adding a new client. And they've already been great to work with so far. Plus, those stops will be kind of like mini vacations amidst our stays in national parks. And we've been doing more boondocking lately. In the past week, we stayed at two different Walmarts, which is pretty much a record for us because we don't do a lot of Walmarts. But it makes it nice if you can bookend it at nicer campgrounds, I suppose. This gig with Jellystone was a great reminder of the power of executing on the little things before making the bigger ask. For example, we stayed at our first Jellystone over a year ago. We had never stayed at one. I thought, okay, these are just campgrounds for families. Obviously, we don't have any kids, so we're not going to stay there. We stayed at one. We loved it. They had a hot tub. Alyssa was happy. (laughs) And uh, we just had a blast while we were there, and I reached out to them on Instagram. Just say they were doing a great job. I didn't ask for anything. I just said I love their park. We started up a conversation, and this past fall, we ended up writing a couple blog posts for them that – They performed well, we spent a good amount of time working on the content for those posts, and then they ended up sponsoring our RV Entrepreneur Summit, which sold out, we did some Facebook Live videos for them, and now we're doing a series of videos for their campground, which is a higher-paying project, obviously. But it all started small, just like all the other client projects that we've really ever done. Our relationship with Winnebago has grown over the past year. They helped sponsor our summit. uh, But it all started with a blog post, and then it led to a lot of other things. Also, the video that we showed Jellystone to pitch them on doing more campground videos, we actually did for free for the park that we stayed at in San Marcos. Well, we did it in lieu of two months of rent. So it worked out to about the same as we charge for a one-day shoot of video. And that video on Facebook has gotten over 70,000 views And performed really well. And because of that video, we're able to now go out and do a lot more videos for the Jellystone Parks as we're traveling. So this is probably the most intentional that we've been on crafting the projects around our travels instead of the latter. Because most of the time that we've had different locations to travel to across the country for work-related gigs, it was the work bringing us there. And we kind of formed our travel around it. And this year, we formed our schedule, where we were going, and then we formed our work around our travel. So it's kind of a weird progression in this whole RV entrepreneur lifestyle, but I'm not complaining, and I'm pumped. We're going to be hanging out with a lot of yogi this year, so you'll hear me talking about that on the podcast. Today on the show, I'm interviewing Adam Norell from the Tiny Ass Camper blog. Adam lives in a tiny-ass 17-foot Casita trailer with his wife, Jin, their daughter, Imogen, and their Chihuahua, Dakota. To fund their travel lifestyle, Adam works a full-time job. This is the first time I've interviewed somebody who works a full-time job while on the road, but I wanted to do this because it gives a different perspective. I know that there's a lot of people who are looking to transition into full-time RVing, and they don't have a desire to start their full-time business, but they just want to get on the road. Whether it's freelancing, whether it's finding a remote job, even if they don't think they want a full-time job, they just want the travel element. They want the freedom. They want to be able to hit the road. And so today, a few things we talk about on this episode with Adam is is how to find a full-time remote position to fund your travel. Adam actually didn't have a position that was available full-time, so he took a less paying gig and was able to go out and hit the road. How to stay connected to your team while working remotely. How much space do you really need in your RV? And Adam's thoughts on giving up his bathroom for a little bit more freedom. And how to create a balance between adventuring and working full-time. The last one is something that we're always struggling with, people like Adam, people like myself, other nomads. I'm sure as I'm recording this, it's 9.18 p.m. on Monday night. This podcast is going live in the morning, and I'm just now recording my intro. I'm sorry, Kelsey, because you have to edit this tonight. (laughs) But it's always a balance. Days are long, and things come up. So I always enjoy getting to dive into this whole balance element just because that resonates with me in a world where we're trying to do so many things and to just constantly be reevaluating and focusing on how to try to do less but better. All right, let's get into today's show with Adam. All right, my intro today is 100% ripped off from Adam's blog because I love this quote. Hello, my name is Adam and I'm a digital nomad. Wikipedia defines us as 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 individuals who use telecommunications technologies to earn a living and more generally to conduct their life in a nomadic manner. If I'm being candid, that sounds entirely unimaginative. And what fun is life without imagination? I prefer to think of us as the wise ones who have realized all time is fleeting and have chosen to pursue an existence that embraces the words of T.S. Eliot, which is, we shall not cease from exploration. And the end of our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Adam lives in a tiny esque Casita Trailer works full-time with Lidos. travels with his wife, Jin, daughter, Imogen, and a dog named Dakota. Adam, thanks for being on the podcast with me, man. Oh, hey,
1: thanks. I'm happy to be here.
0: I feel like we just got really philosophical right off the bat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It's been a while since I wrote that. I was like, oh, yeah, I do like that quote. <laughs> no, it is.
0: It's a great quote. I mean, you're actually, you're a really good writer. I don't mean to sound surprised when I say that, but you're a really good writer. Oh, thanks. No. <laughs> Thank
1: you. It's something I enjoy. I don't put enough time into it. It's. I hope I can at some point.
0: No, I'm. I'm. I'm kind of jealous because, I. I don't even know why I'm jumping right into this, but because it's totally unrelated to what I want to talk about today. But I'm. I love your your writing style <laughs> on the blog. I know you guys don't publish all the time, but you publish sometimes, and you're really good at just letting people into what's happening in y'all's lives and updates and travels and things you're struggling with and what's you know just what's going on in general. And uh, because Alyssa and I do a lot of blogging, and for us, sometimes, you know, we get too caught up in some of the stupid stuff, you know, like uh, just worrying about SEO and things like that because, you know, we're maybe we're working with a sponsor or something like that versus wanting to just connect with people and share something. And so because you have your full-time job, you know, I guess I'm supposing it's like that doesn't matter. It's like your main goal to writing is to document your story for yourself and your family, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and to be honest, you know, Jen has been doing the writing recently, and I'm, I'm really happy that she's out there doing it because she's getting past, you know, kind of getting into a comfort zone with it. Um, for us, it's purely about um, sharing and and saving memories. And um, it would be great if we could turn it into a way to kind of generate income and those kinds of things so that maybe I could scale back in the work on the real time work. But right. You know what when when you have a little one, um, a lot of your time goes there. And so the time that we do put in the blog is kind of precious. And so we just want to make sure that we hit the priorities, which is kind of saving off the memories and sharing the experiences. And uh, we hope is like a unique way. There's a lot of travel blogs out there. and um so I try to try to just give our unique spin to it
0: totally, because you're not ever going to regret sharing cool memories from y'all's travels, but, if the only thing you ever published was how to dump your black tank and join the plethora of other <laughs> how to dump your black tank blogs, then, you know, who cares?
1: Yeah, I should not be teaching anybody how to dump a black tank. I've had way too many mishaps. I'm I'm happy to be black tank free.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you guys live in a tiny ass casita trailer, 17 foot long, no bathroom, family three. I want to get there. But starting at the beginning of y'all's uh, story uh everyone who i've interviewed on this podcast well i say everyone for the most part people have some type of remote business that they're running and but you have a full-time job and i, I want to go back to the beginning of y'all's story and how you trans transition out of this uh job in this typical corporate environment and so you guys were y'all were honeymooning is that right when y'all this idea first came up
1: yeah um we we were married in 2013 and um took a kind of like a Two week long camping trip, road trip up. We left. We we were married in Colorado. We lived in Colorado at the time, and we just kind of headed north up um, to Montana. And when we hit Glacier, we'd already gone through Yellowstone, and we're just kind of feeling the stride of the trip and seeing a lot of amazing things. I had been through those places before on a motorcycle trip, and it was for me it was seeing it all again in a different way with someone that I cared a lot about, and it gave it a even more special experience for us. And um, I think we were getting to the halfway point. And I thought, oh, you know, your, your thoughts are already turning back to, <laughs> you know, the, the work environment and who you're going to be dealing with and meetings that you've got k- to catch up with and all the email. And I was like, oh, you know, I was it was taking me out of the moment. And I thought, my gosh, wouldn't it be nice if there was a way that we could figure out how to do this as a, as a life so that you know we're always home and that we can travel at a slower pace and really enjoy it and savor the experiences and when it's time to move on move on and when you know and just kind of let it flow and so that's that's kind of where it started um for us it was kind of right around the east side of glacier um which is it's a beautiful park um, Min- there's mini glacier towns. yes yes yeah and i think it, specifically it was it was over a some uh, pie at a restaurant, <laughs> I think called Sisters Cafe, and um, yeah, it's just it's just one of those special memories, and it's kind of where the the seeds were planted for for us for for kind of thinking ahead.
0: Yeah, Glacier is an amazing that whole part of the country, the Tetons. It's hard to go up to look at these amazing mountains, and um, I'm sure if you transition your thoughts into thinking about having to go make small talk at the water cooler. Uh, yeah, you just want to bash your head in a little bit. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it was that dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it wasn't that dramatic. I, I don't even. I, I hope it
1: wasn't. <laughs> yeah, no,
0: that was a little much. But yeah, no, that makes sense. And so, what did like what did that process look like for you guys? Was this kind of a crazy idea that you threw out there, or was it something that was actually? um, Did you all start actually trying to put a plan in place, or did it just kind of simmer on the mm. back burner for a little while?
1: I think I think we talked about it a lot on the remainder of that trip, and it's sort of like trying on a new pair of shoes you know you kind of had to break in the idea and see how it how it fits Mm. and and you know sleep with it a few times to kind of wake up and you know see if you're still excited about the next morning and as we kind of brainstormed over the next you know three thousand miles or whatever we had left because we went over to the coast and back down and then across um it really sort of started to take its own shape and um so at the time i was working for a, a An aerospace company, but I was doing software quality work and I wasn't doing, was not happy. I was not challenged. And I thought, okay, this is, I'm going to have to figure out a way to get back into doing work that I feel is portable, which for me, I thought would be software engineering. So I, I thought, okay, there's several pieces that we have to start putting in place. You know, I need to get back into software development and do whatever I can footstep by footstep on that path to start, you know, kind of lining things up so that we could eventually. See if we could make it a reality.
0: Yeah, and was Jen working at the time?
1: She she was. She's a social worker, and she was um, working there in Denver uh, as a supervisor for a foster care program. So um, it's not really work that she could take on the road. But I know that she misses she misses that kind of work, and, and hopes to find a way to kind of stretch those muscles um, at some point once once our daughter's a little older.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm always interested about that that kind of point right before you decide to go jump in to this whole new crazy life? Because how long had you been working? It was uh, Lockheed Martin, right? At the time? Or is it a different company?
1: Yeah. So at the time when we, when oh, the Boeing. idea said it was a small company, uh, well, I, I even, yeah, I have worked at Boeing, but it, this was a company called Seeker Engineering okay, um, based in Colorado, family owned, Um, probably, I don't know, maybe 400 people by the time I was left. Um, and I got a call from a buddy um just kind of out of the blue at Lockheed in Fort Worth looking to see if I was interested in coming to work on some um, flight flight simulators uh, for training. And I had done that in the past, and that was kind of in my wheelhouse. And it was a good opportunity to kind of get back into software development with the downside that we'd move, move from Colorado to Texas. But, you know, it was kind of putting us on the path of where we wanted to go, even though it took a move. Um, so it got me back into doing software development. Um, and I spent about a year and a few months there before I started kind of looking um, on the job boards within Lockheed for positions that advertise themselves as virtual positions.
0: Gotcha. So was this kind of simmering on the back burner this whole time? Because I'm, I'm just curious because I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that go on extended road trips or even RV vacations and they're going to some really epic, beautiful places and then they go back to work and you kind of catch the bug a little bit. but you guys just didn't want to let it go. Like you really wanted to go and travel. I mean, cause, cause you're still kind of pursuing this after all this time. So I'm assuming you guys are talking about this and stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this, let's see, we, we, we first kind of had the idea late 2013 or, or sort of fall of 2013. And then 2014 moved, um, the beginning of 2014, basically moved to Texas. And so we definitely had it in mind. That's kind of when we found out that we were pregnant with Imogen. So we also had some other things on the mind, like, okay, well, we, we, we need to stay local to find good doctors and kind of do that kind of stuff. Uh, we also at the time had uh, a bigger dog that was kind of dictating what if we were going to do, and you know, if we were going to end up buying an RV, um, it kind of, he, he kind of dictated what we had to look at because he was, he was an Irish Wolfhound. found. He was He's a big boy, and we needed something with slide outs. And at the time, we had really been wanting and dreaming of having an airstream, and then just didn't have the heart to kind of shove him into one. So,
0: <laughs> that's like everyone's always—that's always everyone's first pick. It's like, oh man, I need something that looks sexy, and you I know, know, it's gonna look good. I on know
1: it's—it's the, <laughs> it's the Instagram. I totally fault Instagram for that. Mostly Molly Mish. Um, oh
0: man, that's funny.
1: Because we. Yeah, so we basically hung out at the local RV shop uh, on weekends, playing house, trying to imagine what which unit would work for us and, you know, looking at different things, going to shows and just kind of exploring the whole gamut before we ended up going off the deep end and, and ending up choosing a, a Class A diesel pusher.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so. and so did Jin be pregnant with Imogen, that didn't change the conversation at all?
1: No, no. No. Um, you know, I think I think at the time we were living close to my family again, and we had kind of teased the idea of what our plans were. Um, we had just moved back to Texas. My mom was very excited; she was going to be a grandma. Um, <laughs> and we just let her know, "Hey, don't get used to this, because our dream is to kind of hit the road."
0: Oh and- my gosh, I'd be so pissed if I was your mom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, I'm sure that it's. I'm sure there's some resentment there, um, <laughs> mom. If you listen to this, I love you. And uh, so. We we were there and we kept thinking it would be a two years is kind of what we thought a two year time frame by the time we moved back to Texas, I would within two years we would start trying to look for you know how to transition out of Lockheed I didn't think I'd be able to do it within Lockheed um, so what my work you know I kind of assumed I'd try and go as a contractor um, but we gave ourselves two years and what happened is we were just too excited and um, just didn't want to put it off anymore you know uh, we wanted to try and um, Get out there as soon as we could, and uh, and so yeah, I just started trying to put the next piece in place, and that's when I kind of looked for work um, within Lockheed, and luckily found something. So,
0: I, so I'm I'm kind of just imagining you with your epic beard, your Ron Swanson ish of a beard, you know, just sitting there. Did you have the beard during that time? <laughs> <laughs> in this story, you do. Anyway. Uh, so I, I did,
1: I did. Not quite in the, not yeah. In this story, we do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just imagining. You're like, what are you, what are you thinking about during this time? Because I know for me, I was on Instagram too. I was working software in Austin uh, in 2013, so similar time frame. And I was just, I was on Instagram a lot. I followed a couple uh, guys who had a truck camper. I think it was just one guy, and maybe a couple other people had truck campers. And uh, I was just, I remember looking at him, I was thinking, man, this looks like a pretty epic lifestyle, but I don't really have the skills necessarily to go. Uh, and so, but you actually did have the skills. So I'm just, I'm just wondering for you, was that similar? Were you just kind of <laughs> thinking about this on a day-to-day basis, thinking, man, every day I'm in an office is, is one day that I'm not out there, you know, exploring <laughs> a glacier or something?
1: Um, yeah, I think, I think because we gave ourselves a time frame that helped, um, uh, even if it was just kind of a no sooner than okay in two years, that's when we're that's when the magic going to happen. That's when things are going to fall into place. And so it was easy to say that because um, you know our our brains had a target to sort of uh, focus on, and then we also had the whole uh, we're going to freak out and have kids. Oh my gosh, <laughs> our life is going to change. Kind of conversations. And so when we were when I spent my time looking online, I was definitely looking at all the epic places that people were going, but I was trying to focus on like okay are these people doing it with little kids and what does that look like Mm -hmm. and like how do you sleep when you know you're in such a, a different environment and what does nap time look like and you know what about schooling down the road if we end up liking this and and how does that work and those kinds of things so I was definitely looking at it with like probably a different set of glasses on than I would have been without kiddo
0: and did you find solid resources during that time
1: Oh yeah. So um, and I, uh, I did. Um, I guess I, I guess I would call them resources. I mean, I found people doing what they were doing inspiring. Uh, blog posts, you know, currently wandering. I think before we were made any decisions about what we were going to be living in, I reached out to Sam, and he was gracious enough to have a chat with me, and I so gave me some pointers for what I thought it was going to be like, um, in terms of work and and how that kind of thing would might play out as a contract kind of worker. Um, and that's the kind of research I was doing that didn't necessarily need to be for me in the long run. Um, but I was, they were somebody that had kids out there and they were really getting to do the fun stuff outdoors, even though their kids were older. Um, so I found that motivational.
0: Yeah. So you found, uh, you were scouring these job boards and I saw on your blog that you basically found a position, and it was a five-figure pay cut. But you guys decided to go for it and do it anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I had like a little search bot going, and one day my email, <laughs> my inbox, got hit with a, a job posting, and I thought, oh, this sounds interesting. And I, you know, on I was completely level with my manager. He knew that I was looking. I wanted to. Ha- I didn't want him to be caught by any surprises. Um, cause he was supportive of what we wanted to do too. And I, I, was open about that. Um, and so he's the one that showed me how to set up the job search. And so I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, and so, yeah, I saw this and I thought, Hmm, well, this sounds kind of like fun work. I wanted to get out of doing embedded software development. I loved, I loved working with aircraft. I couldn't figure out how to take that kind of job on the road because it required lab time, security clearance, um, secure facilities. I can't turn my RV into a skiff, so it just wasn't realistic. <laughs> so um, I thought I wanted I want to get more into web development. I had done some side projects, really enjoyed doing the front end part of that kind of work. Uh, I thought it would be good for me to build my skill set up into that area. Uh, came across this position for um, doing that within Lockheed. Um, submitted myself i didn't know at the time that it was going to be a pay cut uh i just knew it was for a level below what i was and so i just kind of assumed um what it would be i didn't know it was going to be quite as big of a pay cut but that was okay in the long run um i interviewed uh for it um really connected well with the manager who i interviewed with and, and, and one of the team members um and he came back afterwards and says well we, we want you um, but are you sure you want to do this? You know, you're a level four and this is a level three position and it's going to be a pay cut. And I said, okay, well, here's why. Um, cause I wasn't going to say that in the interview. Oh yeah. I want to be a weirdo that lives in an RV and travels around the country. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I said that I to my manager.
0: To... It was a weird conversation. <laughs>
1: yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you can't do that like in the job interview, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to get them to like you first. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and, uh, And it worked for me that this was an over phone interview and not in person. So I didn't have to shave, thankfully. (laughs) So I just put on my most professional voice. And um, we talked and and I said, well, here's the deal. We have dreams of traveling full time, living in an RV. And I saw that the position was virtual. And I know that that's not really your preference. But I thought maybe if you found the right person and we clicked, you might be willing to try it out. And he said, well, yeah, I guess we can try it. He says, I don't see why not. Um, and so I thought, wow, lo- yeah, how lucky is this? Yeah. Um, uh, and um, so I think I had someone who was forward-thinking, understood the, the position he posted it as a virtual position. So he w- they were open to somebody that wasn't necessarily where their team was located, which is in uh, King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. So that helped me. Um, you know, I just had to convince him that it would be relatively seamless from his perspective, and that just took a lot of discipline you know once I started up so um it's so far I mean this is we're almost two years in or so and uh or a bit over I guess um or right around there I guess getting getting close to my two-year time frame with the team um it's going fantastic so I, I couldn't be happier with that
0: that's awesome so I mean you you get you kind of alleviated the the fear of any like as far as financially goes, you guys were set, you have your job, but having Imogen and uprooting your life, and I know there's also a lot of other things around having a full-time gig and working closely with a team, like you're separating yourself from that environment, and there's not that natural being around, you know, shooting the shit, kind of just, you know, but also collaboration. There's there's a lot of that, that, you know, that you're kind of missing out on, so I'm just wondering what kind of fears that you had during this time, because I'm sure... I know I had a whole different set of fears. Um, Mine were around financial, getting married, there's a lot more instability, but you were a little bit further along in your career than we were. But I'm just curious, you know, what kind of fears you may have had during this time before you were jumping in, you know, with being a new father and all these other factors?
1: Uh, Yeah, that's a good question. Um, So I by the time we, we made the, the, made the move, um, Imogen was six months. So we, we had some time with what it what being a new, new parents were were like, but it was still times were could be pretty overwhelming. You know, sleep was something that just didn't happen anymore. Um, so there was a little bit of stress around that, but mostly my stress was around thinking kind of my, my own struggle with the weakness of like, am I going to have the discipline it takes to work, Mm independently on my own time with a team who's all co-located in in one location so i'm the only virtual guy on my team full-time there are some folks that work from home or or whatever but uh, on occasion but i'm the only guy that's kind of out doing his own thing and so I, i really struggled with with that like would i have the motivation it takes to punch in punch out whenever i needed to and get my stuff done while i'm traveling and seeing amazing stuff um you know, am I going to want to stay inside and do that? Um, and so that I, I actually found not to be a problem. Um, because the freedom that my position gave me to do this, reinforced my drive to want to keep that position. So mm-hmm. like, I bust my tail in order to do keep keep folks happy and be proud of the work I submit. So that ended up not being an issue. Um, another thing I kind of I guess I was really concerned about before joining the team was communication because <clears throat> you know, at Lockheed, uh, which was the company at the time, um, in engineering, uh, sometimes the folks I worked with communication wasn't their strong suit, uh, and and I didn't know, you know, especially in the kind of programming I did, uh, embedded kind of aerospace programming. I worked with a lot of engineers that were a little bit I don't know. Well, I guess they'd been working there a little bit longer than me. They were longer. Long in the tooth, um, so uh, just communication, you know, wasn't wasn't like what I had expected and experienced in other companies. Um, joining this team, uh, folks were younger, were doing um, web development using more current tools. Just communication, I wondered what that was going to be like. Um, me being um, the only person that wasn't in the office, so I was I learned that I had to work hard harder so that people wouldn't forget about me. Um, I had to say, hey, guys, uh, anybody need help with this thing? Or, hey, can someone talk to me about this? I had to be more proactive about coming on board, learning new systems, learning new tools, and and also just kind of establishing myself as the new member of the team, um, being the only guy that's not in the office. Um, That was the biggest challenge was communication.
0: Yeah. I know I know. for me, I I miss the team element. I mean, we've been hanging out at Winnebago this week and we've gotten to meet up with a lot of their team and people in different departments and we've gotten to go out and eat and we went to a bar before this and had a few beers. Uh, not too many, but yes. a couple, you know, and just, but I miss that a lot. And, uh, you know, I love the freedom of, of living in RV and traveling with Alyssa and spending our time together and getting to go to cool places. But um, I definitely miss the team component. So, have you missed that at all?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we've in the two years that we've been doing this, or they're close to two years. Um, we've spent some time with Jen's family in, in New Jersey, and whenever we're there, I'll drive in. When I took the position, they kind of thought, well, if you can just kind of come into the office about once a year, um, at a minimum, that would be for about a week. That's kind of what we expect. That was the expectation. Is pretty low expectations, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so I, I've done more than that because when we go to New Jersey, we'll stay there, and it's a, you know an hour and a half drive into the office. So I'll go in once or twice a week, and and usually you know try to make the most of that. So we'll do some social excursions after work, or um, just kind of team bonding, team building kind of activities. Yeah, I miss it a lot. You know, I miss the dynamics of of just being you know, a fun team together and the silliness that happens and the kind of, uh, you know, hallway collaboration and, um, you know, water cooler engineering that happens and, you know, the conversations that solve problems away from the computer. I'm not really privy to those anymore. Um, So I have to be a little bit more proactive about engaging with people, especially the folks that are a little bit more introverted than me. And I'm pretty introverted. I have to work hard to engage them so that um, they remember I'm there and that, we can work through problems together and and just kind of be valid, you know, and just kind of be strong team members. Um, and that's a lot harder to do when you're remote. And it's not always fun. But, uh, you know, when you're in person, there's a lot more dynamics that happen that encourage that throughout the day. And, and I do miss that. Not enough to go back. <laughs>
0: do you do you feel like you're able to uh, contribute? I don't know if that's the right word you know, work to your maximum potential and push yourself in the same way, uh, being remote as you are, if you were in person, or do you feel like it, it is kind of a non-factor?
1: Um, I think it, I think it's becoming a non-factor when I, when I started out with this team, I was working in things that weren't my, weren't in my pool. I guess I'd say not fully in my wheelhouse and I was not confident in my skills in order to solve harder problems or confident in my solutions even to most of the problems I was trying to solve. And so uh, I was I was more reserved with my code and more reserved with uh, my energy um, and not sort of grabbing it by the throat and just running with it. That's kind of changed this year a little bit because I've been doing more front-end stuff, which I really enjoy and and I'm finally getting that confidence. Um, and it, the confidence, took a while for me because this was all, uh, first off, we work on really hard products, really complicated products. And we have, my team is are really bright guys that really challenged me, but I felt like it, it's a little bit harder for me to, to kind of learn the tools, uh, learn the, uh, I guess the knowledge base of, of the product, uh, just because I have to work a little harder at it because I'm remote. You know, I don't, it's you know, like when you go to a meeting uh, and you're all in in, in a conference room, uh, you have external uh, factors that encourage your participation. When you sit on that meeting uh, through a desktop shared experience and you're on your own, it work you have to work a little harder to stay focused on it because it's just not as engaging of an experience. And so uh, it's just those little things that that just make the whole process of being a virtual team member, on on a team especially team that isn't all virtual a little bit harder for the for the person that is virtual
0: yeah that makes sense so shifting out of uh the work component for a minute you guys bought a big diesel pusher motorhome uh can you talk about that experience of moving into that rig and taking it on the road because now you're in a 17 foot casita trailer so did you not like having that much room or what was the deal with that
1: yeah, so we yeah, we went from 43 feet or that and some change down to 17 feet. So we went big because of George, our Irish Wolfhound. We thought, well, we need slide outs and uh, started looking around, um, came across one that was used that we liked. I flew out and ended up buying it and driving it back. And um, it's not really what we had looked at before we ended up finding it online and saying, yeah, let's just give this a try it ended up being really big. It had three, three slide outs. Um, uh, these, these big complicated rigs have more things that can go wrong as, as all RVs, you know, you basically are in a house that has an earthquake every time
0: you hit the road. So (laughs) things like hurricane, gust winds every time you're driving. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I know. Yeah. Things are going to go bad. And the more complicated an RV is tends to be the more things that can, you know, get a bit wonky. Um, so our experience was like, oh, we're coming from a house. Uh, can we actually make do in something that's a house that's on wheels with a big dog and a new kid? We decided to go big because everybody on the forum said, go as big as you think you should. You can because you're, you know, you're always going to want more. Uh, unfortunately, that's a that's a bad mindset. You know, I feel like but,
0: people in the RV industry usually say the opposite of that. Like, go as small as you can. <laughs>
1: I know. Yeah. Well, I should have I should have done a bit more research. Um, <laughs> I don't have any regrets because it got us on the road as quickly as we, we did. Yeah. But it was it was a it was a big learning experience because when you're when you do a diesel pusher and you take and you're pulling a car, um, there's just a, you know, Jen was not comfortable trying to drive the rig and and me, I didn't, you know, at times it's fun, but like long days are real draining because, you know, if if you're dealing with windy environments and construction zones, your body's tense. And if you're trying to squeeze out a lot of miles, that takes a toll on the body. And, you know, you get there and you're like, well, I had to pass up a lot of different other places that looked pretty cool, but I didn't know because I didn't plan ahead. I didn't know if I could fit there. If I, you know, if I tried to exit, you know, what if I can't back you know i can't back up until i have to disconnect the car just all of that kind of stuff that was not something i thought about when when we ended up buying it um so it ended up being that we were staying in places more rv parks than than state parks because we couldn't we didn't plan far enough ahead to reserve spots that we could fit in um and then we would book rv parks for a month because you know that at least you could save a bit of money. Otherwise, it gets expensive trying to stay longer, uh, you know, than a few nights um, without getting that monthly discount. So, uh, it was a different type of travel experience than what we had envisioned, um, and, and we found it a bit limiting. And um, while it got us on the road sooner with our big dog, uh, it didn't. It it was the RV was so comfortable that we were still homebodies, and that's not what
0: we started this out to be. That's a really interesting point. And I've heard that a lot. I was, uh, I did an interview recently and they had transitioned from a big, I think it was a 34 or 39 foot rig to an Airstream. And they, even though Airstreams can be, you know, 31 foot lane yachts, there's something about Airstream that makes you feel like you're more in nature. Uh, you know, all the mm-hmm. windows, the way it's set up, it's lower to the ground, um, whatever. And so now that you guys have the Casita, how has that changed y'all's travel lifestyle?
1: Oh man. Uh, just completely different experience. Um, you know, I found that the, the beautiful thing about having a, a travel trailer that's shorter than our truck is that I can on, on nights that we need to run in to go to the grocery store, or, um, we're going through towns. I don't think about it one bit because it's no wider than a truck is. Um, I get to pull across through two spots and park basically anywhere I can parallel park it on the street. If it's a long enough spot, so I'm no longer uncomfortable about driving it in any environment. Um, so that's that's a that's kind of a big deal because now if we pass something that says, oh, let's go check it out, we go. And even at times when we stay with family, if we're if we're staying in the house and not in the casita, I don't unhitch the casita. I just take it everywhere I go. Um, so if we go to the store, we have the casita at the store. If we're running errands, whatever, we always have it with us. So I don't. Um, it's just like, it's doesn't exist really (laughs) until you need it and then it's there. Um, so that's, that's a big deal. Um, you know, when, when we stay in it, um, now we opted for our casita, we opted for no bathroom. Um, that was not an easy decision, but we wanted our daughter to have a sleeping area of her own that we didn't have to convert every day. Um, casitas have a four person dinette, the, the spirit model does, and then a two person dinette. And we thought, well, we could get that model sleep on the bed um the four-person dinette leave that most of the time converted and then if we got the bunk model no bathroom but you get bunks we could leave the two-person dinette up as a table all the time um and then she would have space of her own that is even though it's not really private it's a space that she can call the big girl bed which is what she calls it and um so that was the way for us to justify going to such a small home so it it does feel very different. You know, it's a small space and it encourages you to be outside because you just, you can only spend so much time so close to each other when you just need to get out and stretch your legs, especially when you have a two and a half year old, she needs to get out and work out her energy. So currently we bring uh, a, a clam uh, screen room tent that kind of sets up and kind of doubles our living space. If we have time to set it up in space to do it and that makes a big difference. But, um, yeah, we, we just—it's a—it's an entirely different experience. We felt like we were in a house that just happened to move around every month before, and now we feel like we've given up something and we've sacrificed some comfort um, to have a really special experience and simplify our life in a significant way.
0: Mm. I definitely feel the same way, and we're looking at doing uh, Europe or New Zealand or Australia after this year of travel in the U.S. and looking at you know class b's or vans or you know incredibly small class c's and i know that's going to be a huge comfort shift but also that's kind of why we do this whole lifestyle is to you know push yourself outside your comfort zone versus you know it's easy for us to stay in our 33 foot rig with two people no pet no kids no dogs or anything like that and not go outside all day (laughs) you know yeah exactly
1: yeah you um you know, that was one of the big benefits. And we thought about, you know, people, but why did you, why did you want to go to something? So when we, when we took my mom down to the factory and she saw them, she was like, oh yeah, these are cute, you know, but I, <laughs> no one can really wrap their head in like living in one. And, and, you know, why would you want to do that? And I said, well, you know, you, you want to, for us, it's, we're challenging ourselves to kind of, you know, really get down to the essence of what a family experience is about. And, you know, in there, you, there is no room to hide who you are, any of your mood, you are what you are, you know, your raw, your nerves are constantly exposed and you have to kind of have a good relationship in order to make it all work. Mm -hmm. But I like to think that our daughter is getting really special experience about being close to us and, um, you know, and learning, you know, how we interact as a family. And, and I hope that she's, she's getting some strong family bonds, but also, she doesn't have tons of toys because her toys are, you know, whatever we find at the campground. And whether it's rocks or bugs or dirt or whatever, she's happy. And um, it encourages her, you know, sense of imagination and her flexibility. And I hope that we're kind of setting her up for success in life in order to be a little adventurous soul. That's kind of what we're trying to do. At um, the meantime, we're just kind of learning what we can do and what what our comfort, I guess our limits and comfort zones are. And, uh, you know, how long we can go without a shower before we start to turn on one another.
0: <laughs> so you, so you guys were y'all were staying in RV parks mostly for the month and, you know, getting that monthly discount. And what does y'all's travel style look like now with the Casita? Like, we're, how are y'all hopping around? How long are y'all staying in places? Are y'all going to state parks? Or are y'all boondocking? Or what, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, we're still kind of, I guess, finding that out for us. Um, when we first got the Casita, we kind of went nuts with it because we had such a newfound freedom. Mm. We, we went West, um, and kind of made a beeline for the holidays area for Arizona. And then we kind of cruised up into Utah and stayed at Zion. And then we went back down to Arizona and, and then we thought, Oh, well, let's go out to California. And, you know, we'd spend a week here or a week there basically in week chunks because I don't like to drive during the work days if I can help it. I have done that before, but um, so we kind of, we kind of turn our weekends into, in to drive days and the weeks we, or the time that we're at a new place and kind of experience it. Um, so we went to California and then uh, house sat for some friends out there and hit the coast, spent some time on the beach and then kind of went back to Arizona and then New Mexico. And so it's just been, um, you know, lots of driving <laughs> and uh, it's, turns out like is a little exhausting for us at mm. that pace we we loved having the freedom of being able to mix it up um but really i think our sweet spot is kind of at two-week chunks where we can really um get a sense of the area if, if it's an area that we haven't been for maybe even longer but uh, we'd probably want to move at least every two weeks um to try and experience a, a new area but um, long enough to kind of get a sense of what neighborhoods are like and that kind of thing.
0: So I saw, I saw some photos on Instagram of you guys, uh, boondocking out with, uh, who Molly Mish, uh, you guys were out there with them. Um, so what do y'all, what do y'all do for the restroom when y'all are out there boondocking? I'm assuming woods. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Uh, well, (laughs) yeah, we were in the, when I think one of the pictures that you saw there, we were kind of in a field, um and out near carlsbad caverns and they had just bought the same model casita and just picked it up the week before um they still have their airstream but they um it's at a hotel place a airstream hotel in Ohio. um and they had spent the last year i'm sure you know in in a truck camper and they wanted a bit more space so they ended up going for the casita and we met on their way back to california and spent some time and you know for the we had done some boondocking up to that point, um, and kind of tried tried it out in, in little bits and pieces. And we do have a porta potty, and that's kind of what we use. Um, it's not uh, glamorous, but it gets the job done. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna paint the prettiest picture. We don't we don't even have a way to have a privacy screen up, so when somebody has to do the business. And it's nighttime. You just do the business, and you know it's like it's kind of like the old days when you have a shared outhouse. <laughs> it's just what it is. is um, would you say that's you know, the yeah, hardest
0: yeah. part of the casita?
1: <laughs> I would say that that is the hardest part. Yeah, um, it, having uh, you lose a little bit of privacy when when you go down to something so small, uh, and you get past it. I mean, you know, your family is your family. You know, if you can't poop in front of your family, then. <laughs>
0: well um <laughs> i'm not necessarily I don't know concerned with the pooping aspect it's just like what happens after it's lingering you know what i mean in a 17 foot i'm just saying what everyone's thinking you know what i mean
1: it's a it's it's a good porta potty yeah it seals up nice and okay, sound that's good <laughs> i <laughs> yeah exactly anyway we that's can good. now actually yeah, well go ahead. Uh, there is some there is some there, there's some tricks. Um, okay. Some folks that have uh, done some van time, um, a solojourner. I don't know if you follow her on Instagram, mm. but Carrie, she gave me the pro tip of like when you do have to go number two, you can always lay down a bag in the porta potty and then just kind of cinch it up and take it outside. Easy, easy peasy cleanup. So we have mm. making use of that practice, and it, it is a little bit more refined.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw recently that you guys did some house sitting and got a little bit of fever for wanting to have a house for part-time or uh, a place to go back to home. And I know you ultimately decided to not do that right now, but I guess it was just nice to be able to spread out and have some room for a little bit, huh?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, um, Dave and Ann, um, they have a a lovely house in Petaluma and uh, they had just, uh, they had remodeled it while they were on the road last year and had basically just moved in and we were in California and they had needed a pet sitter that plans had fallen through. And he said, hey, you guys are kind of nearby. Would you be up for doing this? And we thought, yeah, why not? So we went up there. Um, It's kind of like a brand new little 800-square-foot house. Beautiful, great area. And we just kind of – we had some room to spread out. And, um, you know, when nighttime falls in the Casita and it's bedtime for Imogen, which is usually around 730 or so, um, it's kind of lights out for us um, unless we can do something outside because you can't really – um, well, you can't really keep the lights on the kiddo's got to sleep and so we end up having pretty early bedtimes where we just basically go to bed and read a lot um, or watch something on the iPad and so used to that used to be the time where I would do some creativity uh, things you know writing or drawing or working on side projects and, and that's kind of gone away since we lived in the casita and that at a great personal expense you know it takes a toll when you don't have that outlet so when we got back in, when we got in the house, we, you know, started to feel all that come back up to the surface. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. I have some space where I don't have to be right next to you. And I go over here and I can draw and you guys can do your own thing over here. And nobody's, you know, just like there's room, you know, you can breathe and you have a bathroom and a shower on a regular basis. Fantastic. And uh, we thought, um, this is great. Maybe, maybe, maybe we need a part time house. And that started planting that thought, you know, it was just basically. A really nice house and we got to spend some time in it and relax and we started thinking about it and I thought oh yeah well if we were going to try and buy a part-time house where would that what state would? we couldn't even figure out what state to look <laughs> at and it was started to feel overwhelming and we realized it's not the right time for us you know we've got to figure out a way to provide space for those activities that we really need in order to grow as individuals and get away from each other a little bit because we're both pretty introverted and need our time to kind of recharge and rejuvenate. Um, so we needed to figure out a way to make that happen while we travel because we're just not ready to, to slow down yet. There's just, there's so much more to see. And, um, you know, we, we, you know, would probably, if we're going to buy something tomorrow, I'd probably be in Montana maybe, but, um, you know, I don't want to, I'm not ready to make that decision. It's just too overwhelming to think about.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, something you had talked about or hinted at a little bit, on your blog was just the how once you move into an RV, any semblance of, I don't know if you would call it a balance, but just like everything's pushed together. You're not driving away from from your home and going to an office and then coming back. There's that separation. And Alyssa and I struggle with that. And people talk about how we're together all the time. And sometimes I'll say, yeah, it almost sometimes makes it harder to have quality time in a really weird way. And it's 100 percent on us. But because we're together all the time, a lot of the conversations will steer more towards work and things like that. And it's almost just harder to have good quality time together, Um, even outside of that how have you dealt with having that balance between work and play on the road? Because that's something I've struggled with a lot. And um, I know looking at all of our Instagrams, it probably looks like we're out playing all the time. But those are usually like the one or two things that I go do each week that are fun and I post them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is like, yeah. I'm, sure we, I'm sure to an extent we all do that. You know, it's like, oh, well, people are following us because we're out traveling and that we should go probably do that once, uh, you know, once or twice a week and go do something fun. But realistically, <laughs> yeah. it's like most of the time, you know, we're working full time just like everyone else. But so how have you dealt with that work-life balance or, or what have you learned in that process, I guess, as, you, as you're still out here doing it and learning?
1: That Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, it's something that um, I've struggled with more when we started boondocking uh, more recently, uh, because we were staying in places uh, like city of rocks state park in New Mexico. It's beautiful, but it's kind of far from a little town or any place that, um, I would naturally go out in order to spend my work day. Um, so what's happened basically because we're in such a small space and we have a two and a half year old, um, and I, I work kind of normal, regular ish hours. It's very flexible, but, I do have meetings and meetings that I have to participate in and I am very cautious about being the person that has a kiddo hollering in the background and I don't want to be that person. Even if they all know that I live in something that's under a hundred square feet, I still don't want to make people think that I have distractions that I can't manage that or things that are keeping me away from focusing 100% during during the time I'm to be paid for my contributions and that's a personal thing. And that often means, you know, if if I can find a coffee shop or a library, which are usually my favorite to go to for some part of that day, usually the meetings, you know, or some part that's wrapped around nap time for her. I try to get out and do that. Um, And so that that helps a little bit, but um, it's it gets tiring because, I'm, you know, I feel like I have to go if I'm if I feel like I have to go out. Um, and then I feel like, well, if I'm going out to a coffee shop, I have to buy something. <laughs> and so it yeah. gets expensive because then I'm like, well, I don't have my fridge with me, you know, that I would normally have because of the casita. So like I have to get lunch because I didn't pack one. And so it starts to, you know, feel like you're commuting again. And, and that's not very fun I enjoy the quiet time in the car and like lunches where I can read a bit of a book and relax a little bit and get some downtime. But so I, I'm still kind of juggling what, what that really needs to be for us. And I think you know, I've mentioned on online that we're getting a truck camper, and I think that's going to be the magic sauce for us, because I'll have basically an, an eight foot commute where I can walk out, go to the camper in the mornings, start start my work, come back and engage with them, or take a break, um, and we'll go do something fun, and then come back and work. And at night, when it's time for bedtime, imaging, you know, I can go work, or Jen and I can both go over there and kick on a baby monitor or something. Um, we'll have some space to be adults again instead of just lights out at nighttime. So it, it's hard, you know. It's it's hard to to find um, that balance. Uh, especially the smaller your space gets, the more balance or the more out of balance things are. Um, and it's so it is a challenge, you know. Jen and I are, are very close, and it's easy for us to be around each other and not say anything. So we have a lot of quiet time. And, and that works. For, doesn't necessarily have any interest in what I work on during the day. So we don't work together. So we don't really talk about work. And I'm kind of glad about that. So we can talk about, you know, being parents and other stuff and folks, you know, talking, you know, talking conversations that we've had with our friends. Um, but, you know, it's hard, you know, when I'm when I'm in the trailer or in the casita and um, my headphones are on and that means I'm, I'm working um, and try not to, you know, try not to bother me. That's kind of the boundary that I have to create when I'm there.
0: Yeah, but I mean, a lot of the a lot of the people that, like I said, I've interviewed on this podcast called the RV entrepreneur people who are running businesses from their RV. Do you? I mean, just because they're running a business doesn't necessarily mean they have the freedom. Because I, I mean, we work pretty normal hours most of the time. We don't have as many meetings as most people. But do you? Maybe a, a really stupid question, but do you still feel like, even though you have a nine to five job, you have a, enough freedom to really enjoy this lifestyle?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, so, um, it was breaking up a little bit, but I think what you're asking is, do I, do I feel like I have a nine to five job or do I feel like I have the flexibility to, to really enjoy and take advantage of, of being mobile? Um, I, I, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like I have a nine to five job to me. Um, partly because I love what I'm doing and I love the team I work with. It doesn't, always feel like work. Sometimes it does, but not always. So I look forward to Mondays getting online and, and, and interacting with those guys. Um, sometimes I have a hard time turning it off. Um, you know, when the time rolls up, but that's rare, you know, my, my boss is somebody who believes in when you put your time in, um, he himself puts in 100%. So there's really no more to get out of him. There's no point in working more hours than, than you're 40. Um, and so he doesn't really uh, embrace uh, overtime. And so I'm happy with that mentality. I try not to work more than 40 hours. And, you know, I, it doesn't mean that I don't think about it on occasion, but I'm pretty good about turning it off when the time comes. Um, and I think part of that is because it's not my own business that I'm trying to grow. Because I have the luxury of, of working for a company, I don't have to obsess over it in my off hours. When it's time to turn it off, I can turn it off. And, um, and I've seen my boss do that at the same time. For him, at 5 o'clock, He's going home to hang out with the kiddos. And I admire that because it, it encourages balance. And so for me, I try to do the same thing. And, um, but oftentimes it looks a little different for me because sometimes fun stuff doesn't happen at five, it happens at noon or something like that. And so I just move my schedule around so I can do the fun stuff when I want to and then come back and work later when it's not so fun. You know, um, I try to, um, in order to give the company the best of me, I try to pay attention to what my brain is doing and give them the time that I feel like I can be most productive. And that's not always from nine to five. Um, sometimes it's, you know, from seven to two and then from eight to midnight or whatever those hours end up being. Um, and that I try to be, you know, cognizant of that and and give them the best of me and let them know, Hey, I'm not going to be around. Um, but I'm going to be back on later and, and just deliver a good product.
0: I love that. What would you say an ideal day in the life of Adam looks like?
1: Oh, man, the ideal day. Well, I'd wake up and go for a motorcycle ride. No, um, <laughs> since, I don't, since, since I don't have that luxury right man, now. Hey, this is your ideal um, day. I know. Yeah, well, Jen might listen to this, and so I don't want her to think about <laughs> I'm obsessing about motorcycles. Um, so it would mean uh, getting up, and w- we always have kind of breakfast together, um, even though we're not all eating the same thing. Um, it's kind of nice. You know, Iggy and I are at the table, Jen's sitting nearby, and, Um, I enjoy having that sort of dynamic in the mornings. Um, So uh, just kind of having that time together, getting in some quality time uh, with my computer and getting some stuff done, feeling like I'm being super productive, no meetings until about noon when we can go out and have a really good lunch and then drive somewhere awesome and Imogen can have her nap in the car. (laughs) When we get there, we do some fun stuff and then come back at about, or so and then after bedtime i finish up my work day that would be my ideal day <laughs> and then i can do some writing right after that before bed that would be fantastic that's um, awesome uh, it's it's not always like that though <laughs> it's, it's rarely like that but you know uh that's okay you know i'm i'm pretty flexible
0: <laughs> where's been the uh your top pick favorite destination that you guys have been to in the past two years of travel
1: um hmm that's hard um you know, we, we spent a week, was it a week, uh, at Refugio State Beach in California after the holidays. And that was really nice because it was quiet. Um, you're, you, you know, you're probably 200 yards from the beach. So you camp there and you can walk right out to the sand. And, um, there are spots that overlook the beach and the water. And, um, we didn't have one of those didn't care though, because it was still like fantastic. You could get out there, walk, Imogen gets to play in the sand and. Uh, you know, have the windows open and, and just kind of feel the breeze and relax. That was fantastic. Um, City of Rocks, I mentioned that, that's kind of a great place in terms of just being what it is. It's a really nice little campground, just kind of really neat geographic uh, or geologic sort of area with some of the the rocks there and um, fun for kids to explore. Um, you know, I we haven't necessarily stayed in the RV when we're up uh, in the New Jersey, New York area because her family's up there, but I enjoy going back up there because I like, even though Jen won't believe me, I do like going into the city um, and going to the museums and, and that kind of thing. Uh, I just like the flexibility of being able to do it all. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the hard thing for us. <laughs> um, I, I know that there's a lot of special places that we have yet to camp in. You know, we spent a lot of time at Glacier, but we were in an Airbnb this last summer and we're going back up that way this year. And I'm really looking forward to to having our little home with us this year um to and get up into canada and see some other beautiful things so
0: i love that well i uh you already kind of answered this a little bit and i usually ask what does success look like for you in this lifestyle but i kind of want to ask a different question what do you feel like this life has given you guys as a family and uh you know like what it, what has it gifted you oh man what it's gifted me, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because
1: I've been thinking about a blog post that I want to write and I don't really know everything that I'm going to talk about, but I know the title of it. And it's going to be called, um, finding, uh, Walden. And, um, for me, you know, I think back about what Thoreau tried to do when he went to Walden pond. And although we didn't go to RVs for the purpose of getting back to nature necessarily, what what this experience has done for us, and especially since we've downsized, is it's sort of, for us, it's reduced the essence of what we need to be happy to things that are very simple and minimal, and it's sort of redefined um, our expectations of the world around us. And though we feel like we don't really fit in with society quite as much anymore because we realize, like, the traditional trap of the American dream for a lot of people is very intoxicating and it's hard to shed that it's hard to say i don't want the big house in the suburbs and the nice fancy new cars all you know every three years kind of thing it's it's hard to shed those expectations that society and media puts on you um and i think having the time to simplify and get away from that you know you don't you're not surrounded by it all the time when you're not in an office or when you're not living in the suburbs but when you're staying in parks. Um, it does kind of put you back in nature and you think about what really is important. And when you get to the end of your life and you look back on things and you say, um, am I going to be pleased with how things turned out? I, I don't think at this point I'm on track to being very pleased with my life. Whereas if I had stayed and focused more on filling bank accounts and, and having the nice home, I would, I would feel like those things around me should, you know, that I should have had a good life. Um, but I think I would have felt that something had been missing. And, um, so I think, I think it's, I think it's about the reduction of all of that. You know, you put it all into a pan and you let it simmer over time and you see what, what's left. And for us, it's just experiences and and relationships and, and love, you know? So, um, I know I put it on a shirt, um, and it was kind of cheesy at the time, but it was like, Uh, live small, love big. And I really think that that's, the more I think about that phrase, I really enjoy it because for us, it's kind of what it's all about, you know, to, to simplify our lives and to think small in terms of what we need in order to, to take everything in around us and, and really see where the adventure takes us and just collect those experiences over things. That's all the stuff that we've learned since we've been in it so far. And I'm sure there's a lot to learn in the next few years as we keep going, but that's kind of where I'm going,
0: I think. That's awesome, man. Uh well I will let you go because I know you're sweating in a truck in Texas <laughs> right now because it's it's hot and I'm freezing up in Fort and it's funny because it's I would like gladly trade. Most people probably don't ever think about this when they listen to the podcast. Um, and sorry to jump into this, not to discount all the things you just said were amazing. Um, but <laughs> but it's just one of those things. It's like well, you got to be quiet, so it's like there's no heaters or air conditioners happening in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but uh where can <laughs> yeah where can people uh learn more and, and follow you guys
1: um you know you've said tiny ass uh casita we have a tiny ass camper blog so it's tiny ass camper.com um we're tiny ass camper on instagram and then so i'm his that tiny ass camper and jen is her dot tiny ass camper you can remember tiny ass camper you'll probably find us um yeah awesome
0: adam thanks so much for being on the podcast man oh
1: happy to be here thanks it was really fun
0: hey guys thank you so much for tuning in if you want to grab the show notes from this episode with adam head on over to our website at heathandalissa.com and go to podcast i had a couple people reach out this past week uh, about that page not being updated it's updated now Alyssa did it today thanks babe i love you thanks again for tuning in guys and i'll see y'all next time on the RV entrepreneur podcast